RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. This episode of Priority One is brought to you by our Patreon supporter, Jim DeVico. We thank him and all our other patrons for their monthly support. Command codes verified. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 372 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast, and your weekly report from the Star Trek multiverse, recorded live on Tuesday, June 26th, 2018, and available for download or streaming on Friday, June 29th at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elijah. I'm Kenna. And I'm Anthony. And Winters has the week off. So why don't we jump right in? Kenna, tell us what we've got coming up this week, please. Well, this week, the Kelvin Timeline actors are doing the rounds, stirring up rumors about Star Trek IV and visiting fans. Star Trek Discovery makeup artists Glenn Hetrick and Neville Page made one young Trek fan's wish come true, and soon you could tour the sets of Discovery yourself. Maybe. In Star Trek Online news, the summer event is upon us, and we've got more details of the finale episode of Expansion 4, Victory is Life. And of course, as always, before we wrap up the show, we'll open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Captains, those hailing frequencies are always open, and you know we love to hear from you between episodes. So please, reach out to us. We're on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast. We're on Twitter at Priority One Pod. You can even send us an email via incoming at Priority One Podcast.com. Captains, you know that we have to take a moment to thank our Patreon supporters who every month contribute financially to the production of this show over on patreon.com forward slash Priority One. Captains, for those of you that are not aware, Patreon is a way that you can support the show financially to help us keep the lights on and improve the show from week to week. Additionally, we offer special perks for those of you that contribute. For instance, at the $10 level, we have a whole new podcast dedicated to you. Titled On Screen, we review, well, right now we're reviewing Lost in Space. And later on, when Discovery comes back on the air, you can be sure that we'll be diving deep into the new episodes of Season 2. Now, Captains, we understand that a financial contribution may not be possible, but there are other ways that you can support Priority One. For instance, you can share this show with your friends. Let them know that they can get their weekly roundup of Star Trek and Star Trek gaming news right here on Priority One Podcast. Now, let's check out all the latest news from the Star Trek multiverse. I don't know. Then let's trek it out. It's been a while since we've speculated rampantly about the Star Trek films, but the drought is over. This week, Zachary Quinto appeared on Andy Cohen's SiriusXM radio show. Among other things, Quinto discussed Star Trek's silver screen offerings. 
In regard to Star Trek IV, Quinto said, quote, I think we're going to know more in the next few weeks. There is a fourth film that's being developed right now. They've brought director S.J. Clarkson into the mix to develop and to helm that project. And so I think it's now in the business, logistical kind of phase. End quote. Quinto was also asked about the upcoming hashtag Trekantino project, in which he replied, quote, That would be the one after this one, which I think is also still in the works. We'll do this one now and that one down the line, end quote. If Quinto was implying that the Kelvin cast would be involved in Tarantino's treatment, that would be contrary to previous rumors that Trekantino would be set apart from the Kelvin timeline. Only time will tell, but you can be sure that we'll cover every tiny piece of minutiae right here on Priority One. This was interesting to me because this is, we're now, okay, there's two things that are interesting to me. Number one, uh, we're now seeming to enter into the phase where um, things are becoming a little more firm on Star Trek IV. Uh, But also, it feels like the news this week has been all about the films, and I wonder if that was a bit of a reaction to all of the big TV news that we had last week. I mean, these are these are two relatively active um, parts of the franchise going on at, at the moment, and actually relatively successful. And it feels like they're you know trying to be like, "Hey, I'm cool too," <laughs> a little bit because uh, we saw a lot more from from the the film actors this week than we have seen in a while. I'm sorry, you're saying in comparison to Discovery that they're like, hey, we're cool too? Yeah, because last week, I mean, last week, all of the news was about Alex Kurtzman's deal with CBS and it was all TV, TV, TV. Look what we're producing. Uh, Now we've got um, Zachary Quinto appearing to confirm that they have not one but two films actually in the works. Um, And it feels a little bit like a reaction to it could be coincidental. I don't know. But that's what it feels like. The TV side has calmed down. And then we've got a little bit more going on in the films at the moment. I wonder if this, too, has something to do with the the proposed and then botched CBS Paramount merger and they're just trying to kind of outdo each other a little bit with how how well they treat this franchise for mm. for those business purposes, you know, to sort of build up each each of their stakes in this mega franchise so that almost like a power struggle as to who should control the company when they merge, because I know that that was, in fact, a, a conversation that that they had. Right. There was a time where Les Moonves wanted nothing to do with the the Paramount side of developing filmmaking, and then that changed over the course of the discussions. But I tend to agree that this seems a lot like, well, Discovery's getting a lot of attention. Maybe we should change the focus for a week on the films. Um, I, I'm starting to get the sense that this Tarantino thing is... Like, we haven't heard anything other than this speculation right this this oh it could be in the works nothing's been officially announced yet i mean either has star trek 4 but i think star trek 4 is more likely to happen than than we are at this point a tarantino film i would like to point out too that normally in these circumstances where films are being developed they're not really made as public as as these are at this point in the in the development process 
I, I think these projects are being developed actively, which is something to be said. And I think that the reason why we're hearing so much about them is just for publicity reasons. It, it's not necessarily right. any closer to production than it would be if we didn't know about them. And I think that, right. um, you know, Tarantino's name is one that garners attention, and that's why they're throwing it around left and right. I will say the the one with S.J. Clarkson, I think that's a go. I, they, I don't think they would be yeah. This far along unless they were planning on making that film. Right, right. Well, Zachary Quinto wasn't the only Kelvin thespian to speak with the media this week. Zoe Saldana sat down with AOL.com and had glowing things to say about the fans of science fiction. She tells AOL, quote, I've learned that a lot of the people that consider themselves to be super duper fans are people that are overcoming adversities, and thanks to a role model, they were able to overcome something that was difficult in their lives. Knowing that I represent that kind of feeling or outlet for them makes me feel really honored. That's something that I never take for granted." End quote. In regards to fans that dedicate countless hours to their favorite series, like us, Saldana says, quote, It takes a lot of love for something or someone to dedicate all of that nurturing or time to it. It can't go unnoticed because we would be doing our fans a disservice if we overlook the devotion that they have for what we do for them, end quote. For a link to the AOL article, check out the show notes. You know, I have to say that uh, Zoe Saldana, like Sonequa Martin-Green, uh, are just class act, class act actors. I mean, they're just fantastic. They're so diplomatic and they know exactly how to treat the fan base and how to talk about the fan base uh, respectfully and with admiration. And it's good that they are as well because I think that helps reinforce the characters that um, both of them portray in the Star Trek franchise as well, both of them having a great deal of empathy in those characters. And when you have somebody whose off-screen persona aligns well with their on-screen persona, it really helps sell it more um, and makes it just easier to buy into it. And it's very clear, too, that they have such respect for the franchise and for the fans, and that really comes through in these interviews. Well, you know, it, it just very much reminds me of um, Nichelle Nichols, right? They're doing more than just, I mean, particularly Zori Saldana, is doing more than just continuing the legacy of that character. They're continuing the respect and class that that, that someone like Nichelle brought to Star Trek. Um, you know, I, I know I've said the story plenty of times, but Nichelle was probably, she, like, she touched my heart just in the moment of taking that one photo op with her. Um, and, and Zoe and Sonequa just seemed to, to, to really exude that ex- that excitement as well. And is AOL still a thing? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. Holy 1994, Batman. Star Trek Discovery's makeup superstars, Glenn Hetrick and Jason Hamer of Alchemy Studios, were recently more than makeup artists. They were wish makers. The pair, in conjunction with the Make-A-Wish Foundation, transformed a 15-year-old boy into a Klingon warrior. 15-year-old Easton of Missoula, Montana, was flown out to Alchemy Studios in Los Angeles and was given the full Klingon treatment. Easton was transformed from a young man battling cystic fibrosis to the feared Klingon Cole of House Core. Check out the link in our show notes for photos of the beautiful work. And Easton, to you, I say, kapla! Kapla, indeed. I, you know, this is very heartwarming. This came up on, on Instagram, uh, on the Star Trek CBS Instagram account. And it's it was cool 
it's cool to see that that even at that young age with so much going on in their lives they have such a not only a passion for trek but a passion for the arts and the the, the special effects makeup like that um i had never seen a make a wish like this so it's it was cool it was really cool to see a young man like that get made up they really went all out too they they gave him the dictang and they gave him the the director's chair with his name on it and they really gave him the full vip treatment it was really nice to see that these guys make this makeup look easy I mean, they've got pictures of the kid, and they're just sort of, like, painting a little bit of something on his face. I don't even know. And then all of a sudden, he's core. <laughs> it's yes, kind, of, it's yes. kind of amazing. It just, you know, they make it look so easy. Uh, it's, it's really impressive. Back in March of this year, Canadian broadcast company Bell Media purchased a majority share of Pinewood Studios in Toronto, the studio that houses the sets for Star Trek Discovery. And if Bell Media President Randy Lennox gets his way, you could tour those sets in the not-too-distant future. Oh my god, that's so exciting! The studio under Bell Media direction is expanding to meet demand by adding 170,000 square feet of space to the current 330,000 square foot studio. Lennox says of the plan, quote, We have to be pragmatic. Let's get the studio space to meet demand first, and making sure we do our productions before we evolve to golf carts. But I'm positive all this could happen. Why wouldn't there be a tour? It's a great opportunity. There's so much potential. People are always intrigued at what happens behind the scenes. Maybe you can go on the Star Trek Discovery set and then go take your picture in the transporter room. We can do that. End quote. There's no definitive timeline because Lennox didn't have one. But here's hoping, Captains. I, I, okay, two things. Number one, I'm not... I'm if not... you poo-poo on this, Kenna, if you poo-poo <laughs> on this, I'm going to have a problem, Kenna. No, no, no. I just want to I just want to I just want to make everybody sort of like don't get too excited. They're not going to let you touch stuff, right? <laughs> I mean, because okay, maybe make it maybe take a picture in like the specially built transporter. Could you just could you just imagine somebody's bouncing around on the transporter pad and break something? Like, don't break my discovery set. The thing that I was gonna say and that I'm super super excited about is they're adding 170,000 square feet. How many hallways could they make? They could build all of the hallways. I would like to point out that that's the entire. 330 square feet is not just discovery. A girl can dream. <laughs> dream of hallways? Seriously. I, yeah, because, uh, well, actually, to be fair, I, the whole hallway thing is magical to me. Because um, if you think of how many scenes take place, maybe less so in discovery, but like, um, think back to TNG, which is my favorite Trek series. How many scenes, great scenes, took place in the hallways? of the Enterprise D. And they didn't have that much hallway space. <laughs> it was camera trickery, wasn't it? Going up and down the hallways. Um, you could actually build all of those hallways and all that new space. I think Enterprise set was a self-contained set with most of the hallways built. All I know is that I am thrilled at the prospect of being able to take a trip to Toronto and tour the Discovery set. Um, a few of us are going to Ticonderoga uh, in July to tour the set 
and Jake is uh, Jake is hopefully going to be making it. Jace uh, and the new addition to the team, Anthony, will be making it there as well. And I'm really looking forward to it. I am really looking forward to walking this remake. So the the one that you're talking about in Ticonderoga, that's the original series, original series remade that's right. set that's up in Ticonderoga, um, not the Discovery stuff. That's Toronto. No, but when they open this, we'll definitely be going to that also. Well, that's it for this week's Star Trek news. Now let's find out what happened this week in the world of Star Trek gaming. Computer, status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. A massive Herc fleet approaches the Founder's homeworld. Tensions between Alpha Quadrant allies is high. This is the darkest hour for the Gamma Quadrant and potentially the entire galaxy. The culmination of Victory is Life has arrived in the finale episode, It's Time to Go Home. This is a featured episode and will reward you with a weekly reward box that contains either an enhanced universal tech upgrade or a captain specialization point box. These rewards are bound to your account and may be freely traded between your characters. Completing this featured episode will also reward you with the first piece of the Morphogenic Armament Set the Morphogenic Polaron Energy Weapon. When activating certain beam and cannon attack abilities, this weapon will change to the associated type. Now that Star Trek Online's fourth expansion has concluded, we want to hear your thoughts. And for this week's community question, we want to know what you think of the final episode of Star Trek Online's fourth expansion, Victory is Life. So with the expansion wrapped up and after saving the Gamma Quadrant from total annihilation, you're probably due for a little R&R. Time to dust off those power boards and throw on those swimsuits. The Lola Knot Festival on Risa will return on July 3rd for both PC and console. Captains will be able to wear their favorite in-universe baseball team jersey, including Cisco's famous Niners from episode Take Me Out to the Hollow Suite. Other added rewards for this year's event include new sporting event food items, kit modules, holographic vanity pets, power boards, emotes, and of course, a new tier six starship. This year, collect Lolonaut prize vouchers for your very own Vorgon Dreadnought Cruiser. The ship stats can be found in the show notes. I know that some people are a little perturbed that it is another Vorgon ship. Uh, I I know that uh, Winters was very disappointed when he heard that it was a Vorgon ship. He much prefers when the winter event ships are Breen and the summer event ships are Ferengi. And then on the anniversary, they can do whatever they want. So um, I'm, I think this was due to come out because there's only two pieces of the Vorgon set. And I'm sure that they wanted to make that a set of three. Yeah, but why would the summer event be exclusive to Ferengi when the Vorgon were on Risa and the whole Toxutad thing happened. That's true. I think because they started it off, like the first one was, oh no, well the first two were Risen ships right. and then there was a Ferengi ship and I think that uh, I think that there's a certain you know, when you think Risa, I always think one of the images I think of is Quark with those two Horgons you know, uh, you know ready, ready for some action. Sure, sure. 
Console captains can also take part in the Junior Officer Weekend from now until Monday, July 2nd. Earn 50% more bonus Commendation XP for all duty officer assignments. You can also receive a free special purple duty officer just by speaking with your duty officer contact. Starfleet and Romulan allies will receive an engineering exocomp duty officer, while the Klingon Defense Force and Romulan allies will receive a Riemann duty officer. If you claimed these special DOFs previously, you will not be able to claim them again. They are limited to once per character. And if you need to bolster your DOF roster, duty officer packs are 20% off in the C-Store, and when opened, will include an additional green quality or higher duty officer. And if that wasn't enough, when you open any of the duty officer packs, excluding Federation and Klingon, you'll receive either 10 Lobi crystals or a Tier 6 Starship Requisition Pack for some of the most exclusive starships. Check out the show notes for the details. Finally, we want to remind captains of that lifetime subscription sale going on right now until July 26th for both PC and consoles. With a lifetime subscription, you get access to many items and services, including special veteran exclusive rewards. PC players get $100 off their lifetime subscriptions, while console players can get 33% off. I just want to remind our listeners that Priority One has a Discord channel. If you'd like to come and chat about whatever games you're playing, head over to our show notes at PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash PO372 for the link. Well, that's it for Star Trek Online News. Now let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. Well, Captains, this is the part of the show where we open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Episode 371's community question was, If you could develop one new Star Trek series, what would it be? Our patron, David S., writes in, I always wanted to see a Federation series, maybe something like The West Wing in space, dealing with both intergalactic issues and intra-Federation issues. How exactly do the Andorians and Vulcans and everyone else get along under one government? It would also be nice to see how Starfleet is perceived from outside the uniform. On the one I hand, can dig this. I, yeah. On the one hand, I love this idea, and on the other hand, it just makes me think of our our idea for the Star Trek theme park of uh, what was it, Diplomacy, the ride, I believe. Um, I, the thing is, I know the West Wing. What it pretty much exactly was that, and it was a very, very good show. Now, if we could get Aaron Sorkin to write said Federation series, that would be amazing. Um, but <laughs> on paper, it's a little hard to get excited. There was a novel written called Star Trek Federation that dealt with this exact thing. And as I was reading it, I kept wanting it to be a show and be something that I could watch. The thing is, it, it, but seriously, though, the political drama is a totally viable legitimate section of like the drama sphere you've got quite a number of um well-respected shows it's not my deal i'm sort of a sci-fi adventure kind of person however um that would be i think actually a really good choice for star trek it would slot in very nicely with the themes that we already know about star trek um, and it would be something a little bit different i i would be interested to see it there's always so much talk on the episodes about the federation council I think why not have, you know, a 13-episode season and then see what happens. 
From Patreon, James Golding says, a Starfleet Academy series would be awesome. It would be like Buffy in space, and I would love to Netflix binge a series like that. Love the argument over the pronunciation of my name the other week. It is indeed pronounced Golding. He also says, in regards to Expansion 4 in Star Trek Online, Then I heard Alexander Siddig on Victory is Life and swooned away merrily knowing that my DS9 crush would be in the expansion. How I missed that announcement, I will never know. I am quite glad I did, though, and thanks for not spoiling the surprise. From PriorityOnePodcast.com, Bertolf says, I would still like to see something based in the missing years set between the launch of the B and D, but I'd watch whatever they make. I might have preferences, but I will unashamedly watch anything with Star Trek in the name, regardless of how terrible it is or who it's aimed at. I know. I watched Deep Space Nine. I can't hear wow. you. Are you guys talking? <laughs> oh, oh, oh. I have the d- filter on. That's why. <laughs> you were saying, Elijah? Oh, nothing. Oh, nothing. I agree with uh, I agree with Berthoff. I would watch anything that has Star Trek on it. To be fair, we're like a, we're like a poor um, segment of the fan population because we kind of have to if it has Star Trek in the title, but I probably still would just out of curiosity, to be fair. From Facebook, Sean Turcott says, Temporal Agents. Then, our new crew can play with any guest star in any time period. I kind of, I half love and half hate this idea. So, um, I'm a big Doctor Who fan, and one of the things that I love about Doctor Who is because he's a time and space traveler, they can tell stories, any story, anywhere uh, and you kind of buy into it because you buy into the fact that he can go anywhere in space and time and has a really rocking wardrobe and he can fit in anywhere so they can just go and do it um, I, I think it's hard to it's hard to make that legit um, I think it's hard to make that legit starting out um, I, I'm not sure that I want to see it for Star Trek I think that that's something that you really walk a fine line and you have to have really good writers and people who really know their Star Trek. And that's a very small Venn diagram and to do it properly. Um, I think it could be done. I think it would be better served as like a four-part miniseries because how many non-Star Trek fans would really watch that if it's jumping mm-hmm. between time periods of Star Trek? You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what? Really, they should bring back the miniseries. Well, the miniseries is back. I mean, the miniseries is happening. Um, I, I Have we ever seen a Star Trek miniseries? Not like in the 90s, right? Like, remember, like, the Langoliers and, like, those little snippet mini... Like a film, but broken up a little bit more and told a little bit more in depth. Closer to a film yes, yeah. than a short series, if... if if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah I kind of I dig that idea. Maybe that's what we're getting, though, because, you know, the whole business with Kurtzman and development of, of the Star Trek franchise for CBS, one of the things that was in there was this so-called con miniseries. Or do the anthology. Yeah. A Star Trek anthology series, like the way that Brian Fuller had originally penned and planned. So now we have Discovery. Boom, that's its whole, you know, whatever many seasons they decide they want to make, but do the anthology of Star Trek where each season is a different era, a different story, a different perspective. Yeah. From Twitter, Chris Keene says, I'd love to see a series based on the shipyard that designs and builds all the experimental NX class ships. Now this is a the suggestion that I actually haven't heard before and I kind of love. This is not something that we've taken a 
very close look at in Star Trek before. It's not to, it's nothing to do with bureaucracy and government. This would be more something that is um, uh, more engineering on the ground. Well, not on the ground, it's in space, but whatever, you know what I mean? A totally different focus than the, probably the what you might call the elites of the Federation, the people who are out there, the ambassadors, the Federation Council, the leaders of the flagship these are people who are you know just sort of quote unquote normal people i suppose building ships gee can i you added so much depth to that because all i thought was chris wants a show that's like hey pass me the wrench uh, uh, uh. oh wrong size okay first of all it would be a space wrench second of all <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, but it, it's it. It made me think because when I read that, it made me think. You know, most of what we see um, is focused on uh, almost like an elite class of people. Um, we very rarely see the adventures of the dumpy old ship that's probably going to get retired in a couple of years. We always see the adventures of the flagship, the newest, the best, pushing the edges of the final frontier, et cetera, et cetera. We don't see the workhorse, which is the rest of the Federation. And that could be actually something really interesting to look at. That could even have some like corporate espionage themes to it, where you have other factions trying to infiltrate and steal ideas for, you know, the, or information about the newest class of starships that they're building. I always found it interesting when Cisco comes back with the Defiant and how he talks about the development process with the Borg and him developing, helping to develop the Defiant. I mean, I was interested in that, and, and this seems like what Chris is suggesting, and I, I would like to see something like that. From Twitter, at Stowe Morishita says, Hmm, if it's just one, then it's really a tough choice. Because I'd really love a post-DS9 Voyager Nemesis series, which also includes a lot of dimension and or time travel. But also one that is set shortly after the events of Star Trek VI. Hmm. Okay. Guess I'd do the post-Star Trek VI show. I think that falls into line with what somebody else suggested about the Enterprise B, you know, between the Enterprise B and the Enterprise D. Because I think that's a big period of time that we haven't seen a lot from. And we've seen little glimpses of it through Generations and Yesterday's Enterprise. Uh, and I think that there'd be some interesting stuff that you could do there and stuff that we've heard about that we'd love to see from the Star Trek uh, timeline. I think if you're going to do that kind of interlude, that time period between A and B, or B and D, as it were, uh, I think these these are things that are perfectly suited to what Elijah was talking about of a miniseries. Um, let, let's talk about how we get from point A to point B. Because when you have, I mean, this is the thing that Discovery is always butted up against is that we know what happens 10 years after Discovery. So you, you're limited in what storytelling you can do because you know the surrounding events. But you can focus in on something that happened. You can focus in on exactly um, you know, how you get from point A to point B. Or you can focus on something else that's happening you know, over off to the side that's also kind of nifty. But it's, it's sort of self-contained and small. From Facebook, Dan Moritz writes in, I want a post-Voyager series based around the establishment of a Federation transwarp network. The front lines of the network would always be on the cutting edge of known space. 
allowing for lots of new and old adversaries who want a stake in the corridor. It could touch on the politics of new colonies being established, ethical quandaries regarding traveling through the space of native species, and the challenges of peacekeeping without the luxury of core Federation reinforcement. This is also an idea that we haven't really heard before, and um, I kind of like it because it gives you a little bit of that Voyager flavor, but still connected with the Federation in some way. Um, and it brings actually a little bit of DS9, sort of that frontier space, to the mix as well. And I think that there's some real potential in an idea like this. Yeah, and I think you have the potential there as well to um, go back to an old tried-and-true Trek formula, which is confronting uh, new societies, uh, new cultures, but still having to try and question what our core Federation values are. So the Federation is well-established, we're still post-scarcity, but then we're facing challenges that force us to confront what that means and what that means when we interact with other people. It's, it's a really good idea. This week, we had a ton of great ideas, and sadly, we do not have the time to read all of them out loud. But if any suits at CBS are listening, head over to our social media sites and read some of the responses. They are gold. Well, that wraps up episode 372 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. For more great podcasts like Mission Log, Women at Warp, and The Trek Files, visit podcasts.roddenberry.com. Before we go, here's a reminder of our community question this week. What are your thoughts on the final episode of Star Trek Online's Expansion 4, Victory is Life? Captains, you know that we love to keep those hailing frequencies open between our episodes, so leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com. On our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast or tweet us via at Priority One Pod. Don't miss a thing from the Star Trek multiverse. Catch our episodes every Friday by pointing your favorite podcast app to feeds.priorityonepodcast.com. You can even join in on the fun while we record our episodes live on Tuesday nights at around 11 o'clock Eastern on Facebook. Keep an eye on our social media channels for details. And if that wasn't enough, you can join us in Star Trek Online in the Priority One Armada. If you're interested, just head over to PriorityOneArmada.com and sign up today. Now, don't forget, Captains, every Saturday night, the Armada takes to our Twitch channel, where we review the latest Star Trek Online and Armada news, as well as highlight some of the amazing members in the community. Each week, we team up with you and earn things like reputation marks and dilithium. With regular giveaways, there's always something for all Star Trek players, new and old. Follow us on twitch.tv forward slash Priority One. This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our patrons through patreon.com. Find out more and add your support at patreon.com forward slash Priority One. Even if you can't make a financial contribution, please help spread the word about the show and invite your fellow Trekkies. It's your support that keeps us going. Don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency podcast at guardfrequency.com. Each episode, the Guard will take you inside the universe of your favorite space sims, including a tabletop adventure played out by your hosts. And Heroes Rise brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons & Dragons. Learn all about the latest publications, tools, tips, tricks, and traps in less time than it takes to skin a wyvern. Head over to heroesrisepodcast.com to discover their secrets. 
Thanks to our audio team, led by Michael McDonald, with assistance from Brandon Parker and Jake Morgan. Speaking of Jake, a very special thanks and shout out to him, a producer on this show who assists us in writing our scripts and spearheading our social media endeavors. Thanks to our graphic artist and web designer, Henry Pomper. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. Thanks to Patreon associate producer, Navy Boats Lou and Jim DeVico. But most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners, because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Shields up. Su no. Engage. Say hi. <laughs> Are you time enough so it's bedtime now? Yeah, I also kept this thing on so tomorrow it's gonna do that at the right time. Good, excellent. Oh, she's losing her British accent. He said you're losing your British accent. Say something British. Banana. See? <laughs> no, I heard ban- I heard banana. Tomato. Tomato. <laughs> yeah, Tomo- good. Ah, uh, tomato. Yeah. All right, get out of here, QE. We'll definitely be going to that also. Yeah. And I'm going to touch that transporter all up and down. <gasps> Just don't tell me about it. I don't want to know. I'm going to scratch my back on the transporter like a big grizzly bear. <laughs> Just... <laughs> That's so wrong. Well, captains, this is the part of the show where we open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. You can't say it like that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that stays. That stays. That stays. And the award for overenunciation goes to Elijah. <laughs> no, no, but he's got a mini bidet next to his sink that he uses for his face. Face bidet. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise known as a, a water fountain. <laughs> or a water fountain, yes. <laughs> podcast.roddenberry.com the roddenberry podcast network